All right. So the name of the podcast is Application to Admission. I want it to be HBC versus PWIs, but you know, you think that's a little bit too too aggressive. And I, you know, I don't want to be aggressive. I want to make sure that I I treat your your your, your brother, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. right. You know, I don't come off too too militant. Even though Martin was a real militant man, he has some he has some really positive stances on a lot of things that people you know, have diluted his message through this holiday and all that, but that's a whole nother uh, episode. Here we go. All right. Uh, Applications to Admission podcast. We are in our first full year, Tim. Can you believe that? We got people listening and waiting patiently. We appreciate those who are sharing, subscribing, making sure you're getting the information. But as May closes, we have really been doing this for a full year. How you feeling, my dude? Man, time flies, man. I remember, you know, our first pilot episode that hasn't seen the light of day that we did, <laughs> man. So we, we come a long way, but I think yeah, we yeah, shared, yeah. shared some good information. And we appreciate all the great feedback we're hearing from our listeners and those who are hitting us up online, sharing, they're enjoying uh, the content. And for those of you who are new to the podcast and don't have not yet been uh, able to distinguish voice and energy, I am Shereem Herndon Brown, Chief Education Officer and Founder of Strategic Admissions Advice. The guy who sounds a little bit more authoritative and measured than I is uh, Timothy L. Fields, the Senior Associate Dean of Admission at Emory, also a proud Morehouse man. We are about to be at Morehouse this weekend for graduation. Tim, do you remember your Morehouse graduation back in 1852? I, I do. I remember it was like yesterday. And I, I remember because at Morehouse, we have what we call Senior Week, uh, an entire week of uh, partying all throughout the week. Uh, I got in from a party that Saturday night at four o'clock. I took a shower and then I had to be in line for graduation by 630. And the sun was beaming down on me and the sweat, uh, the alcohol was coming out my pores, but I made it. I'm gonna I, make I'm, I'm gonna make sure you, the Morehouse president hears all this that how the you inebriated you are at graduation great what a Morehouse man you are won't be the first won't be the last <laughs> and believe it or not at PWIs like Wesleyan University we have senior parties too we have good times before graduation too so shout out to all the graduates out there um, for those alumni celebrating reunions uh, this is gonna be a great summer for us as application to admission understanding the choices. Uh, you know, we have a lot of great things going on. You know, we are furiously writing and sharing our book and connecting with people in a lot of different ways. But before we extend ourselves fully to June, July and August, Tim, how's May closing out for you at that that office of Emory University? Hey, we are trying to wrap up this wait list. So we are done. So, you know, what I'm saying I'm hoping hopefully with a week from wrapping up the class. Uh, this uh, was his class at 27, yeah, yeah, class wow. at 27, uh, trying to wrap this up. And then, you know, the summer will be recruiting for the next one. Uh, so that's what I'm on. But what about you? You you might be a little bit more busier than I am nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes and no. Yes and no. Private clients, we are getting ready to dive into our essay writing process, you know, class of 2024 for, you know, high school rising seniors. So I get excited about the essay stuff, to be honest with you. Um, that's, you know, kind of like, I won't say my specialty. I think I do a lot of things well in this process, but I like helping students to brainstorm essays. I uh, I 
Yeah, so I'm encouraging families and students to really jump on their essays this summer. We have a special guest for you. I'm going to tease that out a little bit, who's going to give uh, junior slash senior rising fam rising senior families to-do lists for the summer. But yes, I'm excited for that. But as you know, um, I'm really about to launch this uh, in my business, this, helping charter schools, uh, doing some professional development with charter schools. I've enjoyed doing that over the past several years with very select schools kind of, you know, beta testing it out. So now I'm going to kind of launch it officially and, and and try to grow it because again, I think it's needed the way you and I have leveraged the book and connected with a lot of different constituencies, couple that with my desire to help a different population. Um, again, help all populations, but again, it's, it's nice to spread the wealth. So yeah, between my charter school work, private client work, and then I'll leave that, you know, um, the, the the last piece of the puzzle to later in the summer. It's going to be a great summer, my man. You, you and I are doing some traveling. Uh, we're, we're doing great things. So, hey, let's just let's get it rolling. T tell a little bit about our guest coming up. What, what you know about this this young woman professional entity who's about to share the this, this stage with us? Uh, man, we're very excited to have uh, Stacey Richardson with us today. Uh, you know, she works at the Potomac School in Virginia, but she's worked at both sides of the desk, meaning she's worked at high school, she's worked at colleges, she's worked at two-year colleges, you know, she served as a NACAC advisor, helping incoming college counselors in the process, and she, you know, is just an all-around wonderful person. We had the privilege of meeting her um, at a national conference in San mm. Antonio, and she, you know, we hit it off from then, and, you know, we We also able... actually, remember, we actually met her in Houston, reconnected in San Antonio. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, she has been a, a great advocate of us, has you know, been really sharing the book, The Black Family's Guide to College Admission, the conversation about education, parenting, race. If you don't have it, what's your name? <laughs> you are late. <laughs> you should have it. You are wrong. You are misinformed. You, you are depriving yourself of great information. So yes, uh, the, the Black Family's Guide to College Admission has been very, very successful. We're very proud of our less than a year accomplishments with it. Um, like I said, the, the podcast has been going on for just about a year and the book has been out for about, you know, I guess nine months now. Like that's our baby. So yes, please continue to subscribe and share and, and get the book. But right now we want you to listen to Stacy because again, we can tell you that we know everything because we know a lot. But Stacy is, if not, you know, you know, our equal, our superior in terms of having great information for family. So you're in for a treat. Stacy Richardson coming right at you. Here we go. Let's go. Application to admission. We are back. We are primed. We are ready. It is almost summertime, you know, as we lean into the Memorial Day weekend, we want to make sure we give you guys all the information that you need for the summer. Uh, for those of you who are just grabbing this, uh, I am Shereem Herndon Brown, the co-author of the Black Family's Guide to College Admission, and I'm here with my right-hand man, Mr. Timothy Phil L. Fields, the senior, when I say, not say junior, I didn't say the third, the senior associate dean of admission at Emory University, proud Morehouse man. And again, we're going to make sure we get into everything that I think about the application side, that he thinks about the admission side. So please subscribe, share, love our podcast. Tim, how are you feeling today, my dude? I'm, I'm feeling uh, great, you know, saying we are through uh, most of the admission season. We got a little wait list left that we're doing. 
uh, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to, you know, rebuild it and do it all over again, but we're going to get a little a break. But, you know, today, uh, you know, we want families to know what they need to be doing uh, at the summer leading up to your senior year, what you should be thinking about, what students should be doing. And we want to provide all the information we can. We got a very special guest, Shereen. Very special guest. We're talking seasoned, seasoned college admissions professional from both sides of the desk. You wanted to make sure I said that, guys, just so you know. She didn't want you to think she was one-dimensional. She was like, I could do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But no, uh, Stacey Richardson is, again, We it's been our honor to get to know her. She welcomed us at her school. She's the director of uh, college counseling at the Potomac School, excuse the Potomac School in McLean, Virginia. Um, she has a ton of college admissions and, and, and college access experience. She's also on the faculty of NACAC's pre-conference um, committee or board in which they really helped new counselors to learn the, the, the tools of the trade was the class that it was called when I took it in 1990-something or other. Um, but the bottom line is that Stacy is a wealth of knowledge and we could not have found a better person to help uh, shepherd the class of 2024. Can you believe that? Class of 2024 into the summer. So Stacy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us at the Potomac School to speak at your school about our sure, book. Thank you for sure, sure, sure. I mean, let's 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 not just like having us at your school. She just didn't have us at our school. Her she school. invited others, right? Right. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, she she said, "Okay, I'm going to pack this thing out." And, With and, signs, and, signs and, all over campus. Signs the direction campus. here. Yeah, yeah. Security had us walking out the limo. The red carpet was a paparazzi with with the pictures. I did feel good that day. I did feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, I didn't want it to us just go in like, oh, she just invited us to our school. She rolled out the red carpet. She invited the whole DMV area. They showed up. She uh, definitely, um, you know, uh, did right by us. And so we thank you for that, Stacey. But we also thank you for making the time. So welcome. Welcome indeed. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you guys tonight. So, so Stacey, are you ready for a little bit of education and a lot of entertainment? Are you sure? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ed, ed, edutainment is what we call this this podcast. Edutainment. You know, you know, a little bit of application, a little bit of admission, but a whole lot of I don't know. I can't think of an A word, but I can think of a lot of the word laughter. I can think of that. <laughs> there Sounds we go. Great. There we go. There we go. All right. Tim, let's go straight to the point. You ask Stacey what you need to ask her to make sure that the people get the information that they need. Go. Stacey. Yes. Three things that rising senior families need to be doing right now to put themselves in the best place to be successful in the college admission process, however you define successful. Three things that families right now, I got a rising senior, we're about to start this process, you should already started. What are the things that they need to know in order to next year at this time to say we have achieved success for our family? So I think one of the most important things is to have that conversation about finances. So have the conversation where you talk about how much the family is willing to put in and support um, financially uh, to make sure that the student's list of schools matches up with what the parents are willing and able to do. Um, beyond that, there's a there's a, there's just so many things. I don't know if I can narrow it down to three, but you just could go. You you just spit your knowledge. Whatever you say, whatever you say, they should do. Period. Okay, so they need to make sure that they are continuing to research schools. And you can do that online. You can do that on the school's website. 
the best way to make to see if the school is a good fit for you is to visit. Absolutely. But right now, school is not in session. So do those virtual tours and and research the majors to see if they have something that you might be interested in. Um, but it's important to get to campus, even if there aren't uh, current college students on campus. You can still, most of the time they still have camps. So you can sort of still see people moving around the campus and get, sort of get a feel um, for what it's like. But you do need to visit schools before you decide you're going to enroll. So even if you don't get to it this summer or in the fall, before you make that final decision, you need to do it. Some people do it now. Some people like to wait till after the applications go in and they get decisions. Um, there's, I don't, I wouldn't say there's a right or wrong way to do that. But I do feel like students need to, step foot on campus, see if they want a small campus, a large campus, an urban, a rural, whatever, um, to sort of get that experience to see how they feel on those campuses. And how do you feel about summer visits? You, you mentioned that. Do you feel like it's a fruitful experience? You know, people are going to have quote unquote time availability in June and July, but right. with no quote unquote real students being there for whatever that means. Do you think if, if it's, this is all I can do, then this is all I can do and I need to go at this time? Absolutely. If that's the best time for you, for your family, then absolutely do it then. Absolutely. I, I mean, generally, it's best to do it during the school year, but that's not feasible for a lot of people. So mm -hmm. summertime is, is a good time to do it as well. I would also say that they need to work on those essays and the application. Get as much of that done over the summer as you can, because senior year is like having an additional course, mm -hmm. all the application work. So the more that you can front load into the summer, the better your senior year is going to be, the less stress you're going to have senior year. Stace, I think you're saying that selfishly. You're like, look, I don't want y'all coming back here in September with a whole bunch of not done essays and making my life crazy. You front load that, <laughs> you front load that and make, 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 make my job easier. <laughs> well, you know, in my school, I do work all summer and I am working on reading essays and helping okay. with applications. So in the trenches. Really yeah, it's not really making it that much easier for me, but <laughs> I think it's easier on the students and the parents if they sort of front load as much as they can during the summer. And I tell my students all the time. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean no, to. No, 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 no. Come on. You, you, I, tell you all, <laughs> I tell them all the time. Don't just work on one essay. Look at the common app prompts and work on two or three essays and work through them. See how they sort of develop over the summer and incorporate your summer experiences at the end of the summer, look at all those essays, reread them and decide which one really, really makes you shine in the process. Hmm. So, so then this, this is the big drum roll question then, you know, this is summer 2023, you're kicking the knowledge about starting essays early, but let's be honest. I mean, chat GBT is here. Artificial intelligence is here. Um, right. We would be naive to think that no student across the United States of America, the world, is not going to use it in some shape, form, or fashion for their college essay writing. What's your, I mean, how are you addressing it with your students and how do you think students can or should use ChatGPT or any kind of AI uh, productively? So I think ChatGPT is not, there's no way for ChatGPT to really represent who a student is. There's just no way. Um, I tell students all the time, if you are walking down the hall and you drop your essay on the floor, Anyone should be able to pick it up and say, oh, this is so-and-so's essay. This represents them perfectly just by reading the text. Chat GPT cannot do that. They don't know you. They're just taking 
a few, you know, a prompt and running with it. And it often comes off very stiff. And there's a lot of language that's not really helpful um, in the in the prompts that I've seen that have been run through chat GPT. And so I'm not a fan of it. And I think students, you know, college admissions has become more and more selective. And this is one of the areas you can control. And so you want to make sure that that essay is really pumping up who you are and really celebrating who you are and that the admission officer is getting a feel for what you're going to bring to the campus and what type of community member you're going to be. Chat GPT cannot generate that. So, I just want to say exactly because, you know, especially, uh, you know, in this selective college space when schools are receiving 45, 50, thousand applications everybody has all a's everybody if they submit scores the scores are going to be good teachers are going to say that they're the best student ever all things the same that these are very bright students how do you differentiate yourself and you know to your point chat gbt does not differentiate anybody it doesn't give you those personal characteristics that as the thousands of you know essays that i've read over my time you know i can remember a lot of well-written ones but they don't stand out what stands out are I got to know who the student was. This student shared something beyond what I learned in the application. I think that's a very, very important part that point that I think people take away from this. The yeah, can 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 it spit out some information? Will it be grammatically correct? Will it share information and answer the question? Absolutely. But when you get into the selective space, just answering the question is not what we're trying to do. We're trying to find out who are you, and that only happens by being authentic, and that can't happen through AI. And, and, and I agree with both of you. And I think that the what you said very clearly, uh, Stacey, about, you know, picking up an essay, walking down the hall and know who it belongs to. That's good. You considered that stolen. I'm going to use that. Um, <laughs> and and, and I, I like how you were both, you know, um, now I'm going to fight you a little bit on this, Tim. I like how you both the purists here and, and you want to believe the, the good in all people and, 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 and you want to, but I would never do this. This is brand new. And what I will say about ChatGBT, and again, and you don't have to agree with me, and who people who are listening, please do not say, oh, well, Shereem said, well, thus has got to be true. I think it allows students to produce a bad first draft, right? It, it, it can help to brainstorm if they input something that they, you know, they, they answer the prompt, write an essay about how my grandfather taught me how to ski and milk a cow and the lessons learned from that. If that was going to be their topic and it provides some kind of uh, 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 outline, framework, brainstorming, that might be a way for some kids who are not uh, uh, natural writers to start. Again, you can feel free to disagree, but I think we'd be naive to think that um, it's not going to be a place where kids go to out of desperation, out of frustration. Uh, but I think then we, we can lean into it with, okay, do this to start plug in what's authentically you, then we're meeting the student um, uh, uh, somewhere in the middle. Tim, you disagree, I could tell already. I, I So sure, it's a great exercise, you can go through, but will it move the meter or help you get in? Absolutely not. But the so essay sure. gonna help them and move the meter anyway. Yes, yes. I'm telling you the essay in, in these spaces, in committee, it's the essay that moves the meter. Because okay. everybody's smart, okay. you know. That's everybody the nine percent admit rate. Okay, mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. The <laughs> nine, the nine percent. You know, what I'm saying 
went through the purest exercise and said, I'm going to show who I am. The other 91% said, hey, let me give this a try. Let me see what, you know, AI says. Let me see if AI can produce some stuff. It, 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 it doesn't move the meter. And I'm telling you, for being in these rooms for the past 20 years, that it, it, it's, it's, it's not going to make the difference. We've never seen none like this before. The tidal wave is coming. But I digress. Uh, I, I digress. I don't want this to all be about what Shareem says about ChatGBT and Stacey Richardson, you know, you know, on the side. Nah, nah, we're not going to do that. Um, but Stacey, but let's, say, let's, let's Stacey, get in here. Like, what do you feel about what he said? We need to gang up on him. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I do feel like right now it is not a perfect tool by any stretch of the imagination. Five years down the line, things could be very different. You know, things are evolve and change all the time. And so it may be a tool that is worthwhile um, down the line. But for right now, it is not. It's not going to move the meter for students if they use this. And I think it can be tempting once you do that brainstorming with it to then to just continue with it. Mm. Um, and I think that that might be a temptation for students that we don't want to start them down. Sherry, have you ever seen Finding Forrester? That's what uh, Sean Connery and Buster Rhymes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's what he got in trouble for. You know what I'm saying? He took, you know, a Sean Connery's book. He started it. And then mm -hmm. the guy said, this is the same thing that was used here. It was one authentic. Mm -hmm. And then he got kicked out of school. And then he I got I am saved. not pro-plagiarism. I am not pro-plagiarism. It is something that I, I can spot pretty easily from students. Um, I just don't believe that we should be giving chat GBT an affront. I think we have to learn to work with it in order for students to trust that we're going to not be the grumpy old people on the lawn. And again, I'm not gonna, you know, quote Gary V too much because again, I, I have my issues with some of the things he espouses, but I will say, he said, you know, our parents who in 1992, 93, when the internet became, you know, popularized, said, you know, oh, I don't want to do that thing. Oh, oh, that's crazy. That that's just a fad. Guess what? You know, they were wrong. You know, I'm, I'm not getting a cell phone. I don't do email, really. <laughs> and so again, I I just want us to be again. Maybe this isn't the year. Maybe this a, a year from now when we have a little bit more data, when we have a little more of this conversation, it, it'll be different. So again, I'm not pro chat GBT. I'm just aware that it's out there. And I don't want people to think that that, that it's not. But, um, you know, Stacey, Tim mentioned this whole 9% selective college admissions being in the room committee. Let's talk about standardized testing for a second, because, again, the class of 2024 has the option at many schools. I, I think schools are becoming fewer and fewer that are being SAT optional that, you know, were because of the pandemic. But there's still overwhelming majority of selective schools are still you know, waving their hand of, we don't need scores. Columbia University being probably the, the biggest one, you know, an Ivy League institution that they're not going to require scores anymore. Um, Haverford College, shout out to, to, to Jess Lord, former classmate, the Dean of Admission at, at Haverford College. How do you feel about that? And what is your advice to seniors, excuse me, rising seniors as they approach the college, particularly selective college admissions and submitting standardized testing? It depends. <laughs> she hit you, Tim. <laughs> she said, for those who can't see this, all, just all audio, she just held up a mug that just says, it depends, and put it back down. Hey, hey, hey that's, that, that, that's a seasoned college veteran that has worked on both sides of the desk. 
<laughs> it knows that every situation is different and it depends. That's right. That's right. So in general, my advice has been to students, look at the college's middle 50% range. If your testing falls at the higher end of that range, go ahead and submit it. However, I do think there are other things that need to be taken into consideration. So if you are not at the higher end of that range, maybe you're in the middle and, you know, but you're, you've taken uh, the most demanding program that your school has to offer, you're a leader. I think there are things that can sort of offset that, okay? Um, and so it definitely depends. It's a case-by-case -case situation. You have to look at the whole student, the whole person and what they're bringing to the process to determine whether or not they should submit their scores. Now, not everybody wants to hear that. I, I have a couple of students that I talked to in the last couple of years since this has happened who just decided I'm not taking any tests and I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm gonna apply test optional everywhere. I don't think that works either um, because you never know. Like when you are a junior and you're testing, you just don't know if there's gonna be a school that requires scores that's gonna be on, end up being on your list and then you're gonna regret it. So try it. There's so much test prep out there that's free. And then there are companies that will work with you on a sliding scale. I think there are lots of opportunities for students to learn how to do that test. That test is definitely about knowing how to answer the questions and knowing the strategy. Um, and all that can be learned. Do we have time all the time? And we don't always have time for it, but you know, there are ways to sort of maximize what's out there for students and as far as resources and and learning how to take the test. And, and so just building off of that, just because, you know, a, a lot of our audience, is, our Black families going through this process, and we, we want to provide them some, some information. So be more specific. Mm -hmm. What that's guidance? Why I, that's why I held up the mug. Yeah, okay, okay, so That okay. was my general, general thing. Okay, I think but... for a lot of Black families, it's important to do the testing just in case, but you also have to look at everything else. It's what I've noticed is that there are um, some families that sort of say, this is, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're going to, you know, just take it blind and see how they do. You have to do that test prep. You have to do the test prep. And I think it's so important for our families to realize there are ways to get the prep and there are ways to prepare for these tests that could make such a difference. Um, I don't think it's a, ever a good strategy to not take it or to take it once and then decide to quit. Like you need to take it a couple of times so that you get to, to know the test. And if you have problems, there are a few waivers that, you know, there are different ways to navigate the space, but there are families out there who are not of color who are, you know, start this prep early, they dump thousands of dollars into this prep, and that's how they're getting the higher scores. They're preparing for it. It's not a natural thing that comes to people sitting down and taking a test. The test was not written for the entire population of the United States. It was written for, you know, by certain people, for certain people. And it's important that we all learn to maximize the resources that are out there so that we learn the strategies to be successful when we take the test. Stacey, I like how you really adeptly, you know, dropped in the for us, by us, but wasn't really for us, by us, how you you you, you kind of navigated that. You, you didn't want to call the people out out there. You didn't like, <laughs> I, I'm not saying no names. 
No, no, that, that that's a very rich answer. And then again, I think it's it's complicated and it depends. And there's so many different layers to it. And Tim has been a, a huge proponent, or excuse me, advocate of that of saying, look, families, testing is like oil. It's not going anywhere. Right. So if you go into this process thinking that I can get into, you know, XYZ school and never have taken the test, the likelihood of you winning. It becomes less, you know, and you so have it, arm yourself with it, and then make the conscious decision whether you said submit it or not. But 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 also let, let's let's talk about the other extreme, uh, uh, Shereen, that we've been uh, dealing with. What about families who do the test prep and their students do very well? They're in the top one, top five percent of test takers, and they are dependent upon black my families, child, my black child. families who crush it and then pop their collars like we done. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So yes, Tim and I have run up into a, a few scenarios in which, again, bless their hearts, Black families who, whose kids test well, my kid could be considered in that group. But yeah. if the transcript, Tim, <laughs> oil, the bank, the foundation, the blueprint does not match that uh, proven uh, ability in some respects, then that's not, that's going to work against you. And, and, and we have to be very, very clear with families, a high testing, but fine slash mediocre, have a blemish on your transcript with a C is not going to get you into the Ivy Leagues, period, end of story, next question. You know, and, and Tim is learning in my space that there are families who just refuse to believe that. You know, we, we were working with a student or not work with a student, but, you know, very high testing, African-American male, prestigious. Um, and I think we told the story at, a, at, a, at the Potomac School you know, very prestigious in independent school and believe that his activities or parents believe that his activities coupled with his high testing would be his ticket. And the second Tim saw his transcript was like, I could have told you this immediately. And then four minutes, look, not even 90 seconds of reading the transcript, how this wasn't going to play. Um, and again, it was alarming for them to hear it, I think they digested it as well as any disappointed family could, given that he was not admitted to the Ivies. But then even when we proposed the, the transfer um, scenario, you know, and I actually have a very success, a successful transfer rate with a lot of students this year. Uh, after one year of college, they're still tacking on the University of Chicago's and the Dukes and the Stanford's. And we're scratching our heads like, obviously, you didn't learn your lesson first time around. Right. You, you can't undo that 77 in math from 10th grade. Um, different schools would choose to look at it differently, yet and still, you, why not just take one step down from the top quote-unquote 25 and go to a top 50, maybe, right. Right. you know, and again, I don't like using ranking as the barometer, but since all these parents are, I might as well speak their language. Yeah. I think, I do think that, you know, the parents went to school in a, during a different time, and they mm. saw different things. I'm older than both of you, by the way. So I've seen more than you have. Stacey, but... you don't lie. You see, all the, you see all the gray hair on my face? You see all gray hair? You know what I mean? I got my ARP <laughs> magazine coming in. Don't, 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 I just don't play got with a, me. Uh, I just got a, um, a flyer in the mail yesterday for senior assisted living. Oh, oh, oh. I was Trump not happy, but. For those who are, uh, you know, this is all audio, but she's saying this, but she looks all of 35. So, easy, easy. I, 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 I would have said 32, but, you know, Tim going to give you the extra three, Tim. Remember that when we go out to dinner. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, things were different then. And 
there was a lot more need for diversity. And not that there isn't now, but there was a lot more need for it then. And so you couldn't, you could you can't rest on that as much these days as you could in the past. You had to be on point in every area and show some promise. You know, you can have the C as a freshman and then maybe turn it around. And if you have a story that your counselor can say, you know, the first year they were getting adjusted and um, you know, by the time they got to senior year, they really were doing things with their, you know, academics and had turned things around. But there has to be an explanation. It can't just be that you had C's every year and you still think that your high test score is going to get you admitted. Stacey, don't give these people false hope. If you got to see it anyway in your transcript, we're not getting into the IVs. Don't, 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 don't lie to these people out there, Stacey. They're they going to hold on to that. Well, oh, Ms. Richardson on application to admission podcast said, if I had to see just my freshman year, no, no, no. Yeah, hey, well, so, you're right. Not into the IVs. You're absolutely right. But <laughs> so, so, so we, we've talked a lot about the IVs and selective schools. And, you know, one of the things we like to highlight 4,000 college universities throughout the United States. A lot of them, which are two-year institutions. And so, you know, we learned, uh, you know, leading up to this, that you worked at a, a two-year institution for a little bit, you know, as did I. Can you speak to, you know, the opportunities that are present at community college and two-year colleges and maybe sometimes, depending upon the student, the family should consider? Absolutely. It is a wonderful transition or bridge to the four-year institution. Um, and now they have all these articulation agreements where you can when you go in, you sign saying, you know, if I do this well, um, if I meet all the requirements of this contract, I will automatically be admitted to this four-year partner school. Um, and so I think it's a fantastic opportunity for students to take some of those basic courses, those core courses, get those out of the way, and then transfer and complete their major courses. I think it's a wonderful way. And it's much cheaper because most of them are not residential. And, you know, you live in the county where you attend the school and you get a discount. So it's a really good way to sort of start your college career, not take on a ton of debt in those first two years and and move through and get some of your courses completed. And and, and one of the things a lot of people don't say, and, you know, for y'all listening, y'all probably got some friends like that say to tell you they may have started at a two year school, transferred, and they only talk about where they graduated from. That right. happens a lot here in the state of Georgia. There are people who start in the two-year system. They transfer to University of Georgia, Georgia State, maybe Georgia Tech, get a degree from there. And then they they wear the T-shirts and never talk about what those first few years were like. So, you know, I, I definitely am an advocate of it for students who, you know, maybe as uh, that's a good word you use, Stacey, a bridge or, you know, maybe the, 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 the family, you know, financial situation. Are there maybe several instances that, you know, that could definitely help them out. So, you know, I, I appreciate uh, you sharing that information. Are you over there pitching Oxford at Emory? Is, is that is that what you no, do? No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. We talk about Georgia perimeter, you know, Tarrant County Community College in Texas. We we talk about, you know, where uh, where Cam Newton went. Uh, for right, right. Beeline, right. Beeline, yeah. right. We, 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 we talk, talk about Nova, right? No, yeah. Nova, North, North. Hey, North Virginia Community College. Hey. When I was at Georgetown, we saw so many applicants from Nova, but there's yeah. a relationship between Nova and Georgetown in terms of students and how many students they would take given their grades. So again, these are things that people have to know that it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Yeah, and no, 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 obviously, we're, yeah. we're talking open enrollment. 
Ninety percent. That's right. Bodies taken. That's right. That's what we talking about. Nothing wrong with that. Good, good. Now that, that, that you guys speaking facts, speaking facts, and I'm glad that you said that actually, because it's not something that we address a lot in our communication to families. We understand that we are hitting a target market that isn't as familiar or maybe subs in their noses at, 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 at community colleges. But again, we all come to this process at different places. And as the first thing we said, you know, is that you got to think about the money. If you're going into the process saying money don't matter, bless you. Most of us can't say that. Right. And if this can be a bridge, a starting block, a, a catapult, whatever it can be for later life success, what you do at 18, 19 years old to keep the coins in your pocket, you know, it could be exceptional. So no, I'm, I'm glad that you hit them, hit them with that. Um, all right, Stacey, are, are, you, are you primed and ready now? You loose, it's Friday, you know, you got whatever in your cup, could be water, could be coffee, <laughs> could be tea. Um, the Supreme Court decision is coming. It's coming. And we don't have a crystal ball. But given your experience, given your expectations, given the fact that you live, obviously, you know, somewhere in the DMV, how do you think this is going to play out? How do you think this is going to affect this cycle of college admissions for, for these first-time uh, applicants who, again, let's assume that, that, that the Supreme Court decision is going to be that race-based uh, admission can no longer be considered? Well, I kind of feel like we have to wait and take our lead from the colleges to sort of see what they're going to do to help us as help the students and help us as their counselors, help them showcase in different ways where they may not be able to do it as they have in the past. So showcase who they are and um, you know how they identify. Um, but we, I mean, we just don't know what things are gonna look like. It is, like you said, we don't have a crystal ball, but I do think that it's going to be struck down and, you know, from all every, all the research and things from different universities who have already sort of dealt with this, it seems like their classes are a little less diverse than what they would want moving forward with other measures they've put into place. That may not be the case, you know, everywhere. It, it depends on the demographics of the state. But I think it's important for us to know that things are, may shift and we're going to have to figure out a way to, to uh, continue to help schools to meet their their goals and define places for our students where they're going to be comfortable and they feel like they have a voice. And so I think it's, there's just no way to know definitively how it's going to play out once the ruling comes down. How long, and also how long it's going to take for it to be put into place. And I'm sure there will be challenges. Um, do you, do you think more black families will again, as they probably should have anyway, but how do you think HBCUs are going to be affected? Tim and I are actually doing a presentation at um, the Guiding, Guiding Ways to Inclusion um, in July about mm -hmm. you know, how we believe HBCUs are going to be critical, pivotal um, as, as the decision comes down. What, what do you think about that? Um, I think that you're right. I think that you'll have more students applying to HBCUs. And um, I feel like they're already overwhelmed by the process. They've had a significant increase in applications in the, over the last few years. And so this is just going to be um, a little bit more overwhelming for them. But I do feel like more students are going to submit an application in that arena just to sort of see if they can have a place that they feel comfortable, just to ensure that. Um, so I don't think it's going to hurt HBCUs at all. I think it's going to be a benefit for them. 
but I don't know mm-hmm. if having those increased enrollments without more space is, I don't know how that's going to play out. And money and money. Right. And money. And then some of them to, have some good money now. They get some some good donations. And but where do the where does the donations go? Well, presidential hires. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's not always true. <laughs> the, the, Shame the thought, on you, Shereen. The, 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 the thoughts expressed on applicants <laughs> are, are not those of Shereen. Um, hey, Stacey, we got a couple more questions. We're going to get you out of okay. here. So we're, we're talking about the app- application, the upcoming cycle. Uh, mm-hmm. What guidance do you give to families as far as applying early? Like, you know, given the selectivity, uh, you know, you know, you sit down with the family, they give you the list, or, you know, you all are talking through what the options are. You know, where does early fall into that conversation? Yeah, so I always ask parents, families, if they, you know, if you are admitted to this school, early decision. And you know, it's a binding decision. Are you able to cover full tuition fees, room and board? Because you may not get any aid. Is that something that you are able to handle? Um, so I think it's important for families to think about that. And that's why I say have this conversation early in the summer so students understand. And when they come back in the fall and talk to their counselor about strategizing and deadlines, that is already that's known information. Um, but I do, you know, think that if a student has a first choice school that they've always wanted to attend their entire life, they've been to the school, they visited, they loved it, and they can handle paying that tuition, I think it's a it's a good idea. At some schools, some schools, it again, it depends because some ED pools are more selective than the regular decision. So it just depends on the school but and the student. Um, but you know, that's, again, a, a individualized conversation with each family. There's no one size fits all for that question. So I, as an early decision candidate, long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I will honestly say that, yes, I think it was advantageous for me to get in. But you're right. It locked me in to something that, you know, it is what it is. I've had colleges talk to me this year about, Black students who were not "quote unquote" full pay families, um, that it was still uh, important for them if they really want to be admitted to apply early decision. Now we know that that handcuffs the family, and you got to take what they give you, and hopefully, you know, they they have the resource to fully aid you. But it is something that colleges are telling kids of lower income, socioeconomic differences, black, yeah. white, green, or yellow, that they should do. I feel a certain way about it. But again, people, everybody wants to get into the top school and then they'll say, I'll, I'll figure out how to, way, how to fund it. And we're giving them advice not to do that. But mm-hmm. given the selectivity of schools, it's like if you don't apply early, you're not going to get in. Right. Emory, we, we don't we, we don't advocate for that. So the, the, oh, this is another views expressed or expressly. Those yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you, but you guys work with QuestBridge. Like there, there are schools who don't have the, the QuestBridge posse kind of mission. And, and Emory being in Atlanta has always done that really, really well. Um, shout out to Emory University. Don't hate on me or Tim. You know, we want to continue to be popular in your office. Um, it, 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 it's important that Black families know that you don't have to apply early. Put it, so the student we spoke of earlier who did not apply early decision, applied early action to a single yeah. choice early action school, got deferred, false hope. And then waited it out versus pulling the trigger ED2 at right. something that could have probably secured a spot. 
Um, but but, so, uh, but yeah. also to, to your point earlier, Stacey, it depends. We were in Chicago and we talked to an independent school up there and there was an African-American male who they said, hey, you should go UPenn, ED. Family's like, nah, we want to go, you know, RD to all the Ivies. And he got into all of them. And so the, the, the college counseling office was in this situation where like, you know, that's that's not the norm like that. Right. Like that usually doesn't happen. And so for right. them and giving advice, it's like we're trying to, you know, kind of help you understanding the selectivity of these places you're looking at. Mm-hmm. I think it was sound advice, but, you know, it's like they won. And then they were like, like we told you, but like that's not going to happen. Ninety nine percent of the time. Exactly. And I have seen students apply ED to a school and then they are just convinced it's going to happen. It's despite the counselor saying to them, you need to apply early action to some other schools and you mm-hmm. need to go ahead and work on some regular decision application so you're not doing it over the break. And then it all sort of crumbles because they didn't take that advice. They applied ED, they, didn't, they weren't admitted. And then they're scrambling. Um, you can't just look at ED as the end all be all and you're going to be admitted and that's going to be the end of your process. That's the hope, but you have to, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. You have to make sure you are strategizing in the best way for yourself. Understood. Understood. Again. So again, Stacey, do you have again, given the people, if you're not listening to the, to this podcast and listen to gems that you're dropping, you're losing, please, please, please listen and, and execute on what you know, the great Stacey Richardson has said. Um, last question. I don't even think I put this on the question I was going to ask you. So now you got to come off the top. Just think about like you freestyling in a cypher. You ready? You ready? <laughs> ready. All I'm right. Ready. Give us one, maybe two, if you need to schools that you believe are overlooked that you said, you know what? I wish people would really consider this school because I'm really impressed by their academic programs, their, their commitment to diversity, not just in admission, but to the school culture. What are two schools, one or two schools that you really feel, feel like need to get a little bit more love from the people out in the streets? I think being from Maryland, and I think when most people think of Maryland, they think of University of Maryland College Park, but I think UMBC Mm. is actually a really good school. They have so much diversity there, and they just hired the first Black female president. She's been there for nine months, Dr. Shears Ashby, and um, they have a plethora of programs and degrees that they offer. They really are focused on a holistic student-centered approach. Um, So academic student support, their graduation rates, their retention rates are all really good. And I think that students can get a really good education there. I like that, I like that. Yeah. I like that one. They they beat Virginia uh, as a 16 seed, being a one seed a couple of years ago in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And Tiv, you may not remember this, but very early in our process, when we produced the anecdotal list of best colleges for Black students, again, it was anecdotal. We asked people just like you what they said, and no one had brought that up. And it's not a school that honestly I had visited before. Someone said that that was a school that they that we should that we missed. Mm-hmm. And that we should have included on that list of great schools for Black students. So thank you for reinforcing that. And um, yeah, that, that that's University of Maryland, Baltimore County. University right. of thank Maryland, you. Baltimore County, UMBC. Agree. All right. Well, Stacy, we are honored that you uh, chose to spend part of your evening with us. We are <clears throat> honored and appreciative of the of all the information that you shared, and um, we look forward to hanging out with you more. So. Just so you know, now that we're besties, 
You know, we're, we're, we're going to be running up on you strong on all these conferences, okay? Be prepared. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay? All right. You, you, you are now permanently linked to us until further notice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Kim, Kim, anything you want to say to the people as we uh, as we exit? Hey, just uh, continue to share the podcast, you know, uh, subscribe. Um, thank you for all the support for those who have purchased the book. And if you don't have a book, something's wrong. Something something's wrong. wrong. Something's wrong. You, you got to Again, you're going to see us everywhere this summer. Follow us on social media at Understanding the Choices. You're going to see us in places I can't even say right now. But somehow, somewhere, you're going to know our names within the next three to six months. So, you know, be, be an early adopter. All right. All right. Everyone have a great evening. Uh, thank you for the podcast and be well. We out. All right, we out.